0: And the book is out just like that. Yeah, book, 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 book. Pop the champagne, confetti everywhere. Yes, today is release day. There's a lot of extras. I wasn't prepared for it. I had a blazer on. Gear yeah, said I look stupid with a blazer and cargo. <laughs> I told her it was the new style. She said, no, you look stupid. So no, I took the blazer on. the problem on. is
1: he thought he was on a Zoom call where he only had to look good from the waist up. So he had a blazer on because we did some Zoom calls earlier. But I'm like, homie, you have cargo Green. Cargoes on. Green goes with black.
0: So I had to go with in the car. With a
1: velvet, a black velvet tuxedo jacket.
0: So I had to go in the car and get the hoodie. So I'm wearing my son's hoodie. This is crazy when you're young, and you can wear your younger son's clothes. So this is Logan's hoodie. It's a concept hoodie. Thank you, Logan.
1: Well, you look better than the blazer.
0: Well, I the yes, I look better Logan. I was yes. like, I know I do. Yes. <laughs> now the book is out right now. Get it. Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, Abrams Books, wherever you buy books, Pick up the book. We're coming to a city near you. We're going to have a real conversation. Uh, Fellas, possibly this could help your relationship. Possibly this could save your relationship, your marriage, your situation. Ladies, the same with you. Or you see what you shouldn't do that almost took our relationship down. But the book is here. Real life, real love. I'm super duper excited. I never considered myself an author. Like that wasn't on my, my vision board. Really? Never. Mm-hmm. Mine, neither. Mm-hmm. Never. No. I don't even know what put it there, but it got there and we accomplished something. So that's yes. just a, another goal we accomplished. Yes. Three, four, five. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's another goal we accomplished. Wait, I, wait. What were you just thinking? I was like, like, what else do we said we were going to accomplish? We wanted two kids. We checked it off. Boom. We bought a crib. Checked it off. Boom. Uh, <laughs> book. Checked it off. Boom. It wasn't on the list. I know, but that's what else? What else was on the list? That was it? Just a house and two kids? Um, And a dog. Boom.
1: Isn't that making a very good point right now?
0: And in the butt. Boom. (laughs) All right. Just joking. You don't have to throw that in there. All right. So today we're going to talk about some of the things in the book. So we sent out a lot of advanced copies to press and media uh, just so they can interview us. And the biggest, some of the biggest things that they talk about in the book was, one is the New Deal, which you guys could uh, definitely check out yourself. Uh, Dedications. People love the Dedications. They love different aspects of the book where we talk and ask each other questions and ask you guys questions. And one of the biggest questions was 25 questions to ask yourself before you get married. Okay. So I'm going to go through them. No, you're not going to go through all of them. No, no, no. But I'm, I'm going to go through something. Like, some pick a handful. Oh, yeah, a couple of them.
1: But read the intro to it first.
0: Okay. Now, mind you, I don't have my reading glasses. I'm just kidding. I don't have my reading glasses. But... Ah, here he goes. Twenty five questions to ask yourself before you get married. I want you to think about. It. If you're driving, just think. What would you ask yourself for your spouse? What would you ask yourself? Why my hair? I didn't mean a nut. All right, just joking. Here we go. Nobody goes into marriage with the intention of it failing, but too often people jump into the most important commitment of their lives without taking a moment to really ask themselves whether or not they are actually ready. Now, we, me and this lady right here, we've came up with 25 questions that will help gauge where you are in your preparation. Whether you're single, dating, engaged, or even already married, these questions are designed to push you to think more critically about what it will take to become the best spouse and partner you can be. So now, um, if you're driving, you can't grab a notebook or a highlighter, so I just want you to think about it. But if you're listening, if you're at home or you're at work, grab a notebook or a highlighter and take your time going through these questions. We're going to go through a couple of them. If you're ready, it will also make a great couple exercise. All right. So let's start off with my favorite. What's my favorite?
1: So since the last podcast where I interviewed Rashawn, every day he's adding to his definition of love. So my money is on, what's your definition of love?
0: No. Number three, do you eat the booty? That is the number See, three. stop
1: That's... it. Because if you don't, just throw <laughs> the ring, the nuptials. That's right. Everything, you're, gonna, you're going to fail.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> so yes, one of the questions, and number one. Wait, am one, I right?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Do I He's know what love is? He's been thinking so
1: critically. Like it said, think critically about these questions. He's been so thinking so critically about articulating his definition of love, even far past what the point that he got to on the last podcast.
0: Do I know what love is? If so, how do I define it? Do my partner and I have similar definitions? That is number one. Now, in on the last podcast, I gave fumbled. my I gave my definition you've of love. Fumb- you fumbled right. your definition. No, I just talked about how I feel. Okay. Like love to me is is you know the butterflies in the stomach and how I look at you now. The first time I looked at you when I first seen you and how our conversation still makes me smile It makes me happy. That little giddy boy feel when I look at you or when you kiss me or when you hug me. Mm-hmm. That's part of mine. So what is yours?
1: That was interesting because you didn't ask me what my definition was. Um, last, last week was mine. My... I know, but I'm just saying, you didn't tennis ball it back to me. No, because
0: it was my interview. Don't okay. try to take my interview. That okay. was my I interview. Wasn't,
1: I wasn't. I was just, I let you have your little moment of shine. You're you good. You were Oprah. I was Michael
0: Jackson. Give me my Michael Jackson moment.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, my definition of love. Um, well, I, I like. I actually like your definition.
0: Similarities. And
1: I'll be honest. I like your definition. Um, even though it took a little bit of um, discussion for you to finally get to. We just can't
0: ask me something, something like. Ask somebody that something like that. You got to give it time to settle in. No,
1: because I'm what you sense. did was you were defining what a person does when they are in love. Correct. You were talking about um, actions that a person takes. For me, it's about a feeling and the feeling is the precursor to those actions. To me, you have to feel it first, but that's in my definition. And like we say in the book, everyone has their own definition. Uh, I, I love what you said about having butterflies. So I do love that you recognize that, you know, our relationship always feels new and it really does. Like it always feels fresh. Mm-hmm. Um And I guess that's the reason why, you know, we continue to give each other butterflies, you know, but my definition, um, at the root of it is the unconditional nature of love. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't change over time and it doesn't change based on circumstances. Um, it doesn't matter whatever happens to you. It doesn't matter if You burn in a fire. It doesn't matter if you become impotent one day. It doesn't matter if you lose an arm or a leg. It doesn't matter if you become deaf, blind, or mute. Regardless of the circumstances, I will always have this special tender feeling for you. What about if a penis don't work? That's what impotent means.
0: Oh, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry.
1: you think i meant when i said impotent i don't
0: know but go ahead go Continue
1: <laughs> well i don't even want to say that impotent means that it doesn't work it just doesn't it, it doesn't reach its full potential in all situations mm-hmm. for those of you impotent men out there um anyway uh for me i've only been in love once and with you so when you asked me this question the other day, and I don't think we talked about it on a podcast, correct me if I'm wrong. Because sometimes I confuse what we say in private with what we say on the podcast because it's all, you know, said in the same sense of openness. But when you asked me, I told you that I feel for you like you're my blood. I don't feel for you like we just met A year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and we had already lived our lives and came together and decided to be one. I didn't fall in love with you at that point. Um, I fell in love with you long ago, and my feelings for you are so strong that I feel like you are my blood. The same way, like your mother or your father, your children, a close relative can do something, and you can be livid with them. But at the end of the day, somehow, some way, you get over it because they're like your blood. It's like that inseparable, inseparable bond. It's that no matter what, no matter how, no matter the circumstances, I go to bat for you. No matter what, we could laugh, we could joke, we could play. Like we're very, um, we're very, uh, we have a very uh, intense sense of friendship. In this relationship, like we wrestle, we play fight, we roast each other, it's jokes all day, you know, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like no matter what, like I always have your back like you're my child. Like if someone hurts you, it hurts me tenfold. Something will happen to you, and I'm the one that gets riled up because it's rooted in love, it's pure. Um, Another way that I look at it is that it's um, all consuming you know, I'm consumed with you. Like nothing moves in this world without you being a part of it or without you being part of that notion. You're always considered in everything that I do in all of my thoughts. Um, one of your descriptive words when you were asked is you use the word need. Mm-hmm. There is some form of need there. Um, and I look at it like you are forever present. You are forever present. Like in my thoughts, in my world, it's a constant. Um, and you couple that with the tenderness and the fact that I put your needs before my needs at every turn. And before I was able, before I had um, any reason to really think about the definition of love, before... Um, I was ever able to put it into words and articulate it. Before I was mature enough to sit down and think about it um, thoroughly, I had all of these feelings. but And yeah, you say, I love somebody, but I didn't pick it apart. And now, you know, being older, being wiser, being more experienced, you get to stand back and kind of analyze how you feel about another person. And when I think about you, those are the things that I come up with.
0: Okay. Well, it's similar, similarity. So, so far, check. Okay.
1: <laughs> so, we're still, we're still um, comparable? Still comparable. Okay. So.
0: Can I honestly say I know what I want in marriage? If so, are my expectations reasonable? You're asking me? Yeah. Did you know what you wanted in a marriage when we got married?
1: To be honest, mm-hmm. um, I knew the surface. Okay. I knew the surface of what I wanted. Obviously, I wanted to be happy. I wanted to spend the rest of my life with the person that I was in love with. I wanted loyalty, fun, and a family. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like the surface. I wanted to support you. I wanted to be supported, and I wanted to grow old together. But love and marriage is um, so much more than all of those things. Um I think another one of the questions is something like, um, do you have reasonable expectations of marriage? Mm-hmm. You know, we were so busy being young and having fun and everything was just amazing. And we decided to get married, but the expectation is different because you're not really thinking about all of the pitfalls. You're not thinking about all the potential for things to go wrong, all the possibilities. Um, In that sense, a lot of young people particularly, and middle-aged and older people too, you kind of go into marriage blindly, not really thinking about the possibilities, um, the negative possibilities, all the pitfalls that you can stumble into.
0: See, for myself, I kind of looked at my parents, and I've seen things that I liked about my parents' relationship. One Uh, When it came just different things, like I wanted to be in love. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to have kids. I wanted to have our own home young and I wanted to build from that. I wanted to build businesses. Um, I've seen it forever. Uh, One thing I did see is, and this is everything. Marriage is everything. I've seen my parents' financial. Mm-hmm. And I wanted my finances to be the same. Mm-hmm. So my parents did, you know, in some relationships in some households and whatever whatever you like, whatever you enjoy is good for you. But in my parents' household, there was no mom's account, dad's account. It was their account. They never got into an argument about money. Everything was there together. There was no situations. There, nothing, was, um, nothing was separated. And I love that. Uh, I also love that everybody had roles. My dad had certain roles. It wasn't like a... a something where he had to check off, but there were certain things that we just knew. My dad took care of certain things and my mom took care of certain things. And I love those roles. Um, I also love the fact that when I thought about marriage, I thought about future. My parents planned a future of what they wanted, uh, of where they wanted to be at a certain time of their life. And they stuck to those goals. And we always had our future like that. So when it came to marriage, we planned it out and we were very similar when it came to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love. I've always loved the way that we were with money ever since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So I was raised by a very independent mother, Mm -hmm. a mother that put her money together with my fathers and it was all one pot like it was with your parents. But she was very adamant about the fact that if anything ever happened, she could stand on her own two feet, support the house, support her needs, support the needs of her kids, send us to school and do whatever. And she was very proud of that. And she drilled that in me. Just the idea, the overall idea of independence, but especially financial independence. Um, So when we were younger and we got married and we put all of our money together, my mother said to me, you know something, the way that I've always felt about money and independence and whatnot, in your situation with Rashawn, I don't worry about that. I said, what do you mean? She said, I don't mind the idea that the two of you put your money together. Um, I feel like you can trust him in that way. And, um, I believe that, you know, you'll take care of him. He'll take care of you. And, you know, I, I believe in that. I have faith in what the two of you guys have. Mm-hmm. And that kind of took me for a loop because I didn't expect to hear something like that from my mother. Cause my mother would always be like, no, you know, A man and a woman should have separate money and she should be able to just on the drop of the dime bounce if she needs to, Mm -hmm. you know? So the fact that she gave you that nod, it meant a lot to me. But when you said what you said, that's the reason why I took the book from you. It reminded me of another question um, on these 25 questions, which is, um, do my partner and I have similar relationships with money? Mm -hmm. And that's very important. And there's a whole other um, section on this as well. But when you have two people whose relationships with money are very different, it can severely affect the relationship or marriage. Um, They say that financial issues Mm -hmm. are the number one leading cause Mm -hmm. of divorce in this country. And I challenge um, that it's probably the number one reason of divorce in the world. Because if nothing in this world people hold near and dear to them, it's their money. Absolutely. And I it's think that's their very
0: important in any relationship that things are on the same page, whether and this is where the honesty comes in. You know, if you had a foreclosure, if you're bad, you had horrible credit, if things that are effed up, you have to be honest. Bless you. Thank you. When Gia and I um got married, you know, her debt became my debt. My debt became her debt. So those are things that we knew about. You know, at the time when we got married, I had college loans. She had college loans, but together they were our co- college loans. So right. no longer is it hers and mine. It's like, oh well, we got to get these college loans out of here, so we can buy a house, so we can buy a car, so we can set up our future. So it wasn't just like, well, I'm I'm paying off my shit. You on your own, bitch. And she wasn't like, well, I'm paying mine. You on your own, bitch. No, it wasn't right. like that. It was like, no, we are gonna we gonna nickel it down. You know, whether we started with mine or started with hers. All right, let's nickel it down, nickel it down. All right, going, on. bing, next one, bing, you know. And that's how we are, and that's how we are with money, regardless of what it is. Is if there's something that we want, no matter what it is, it could be small or big. And let's say it's outside of of where we're comfortable. And what I mean, where we're comfortable, let's say I want to buy a car that's very expensive, Uh, or she wants to buy something that's very expensive, or she wants to buy a property that's very expensive. We figure it out together. Okay, well, let's do this. All right, let's shift this and do this, and we take care of it together.
1: It's the idea of team. It's the idea of team but you have people who look at money very differently. Mm -hmm. You can have someone in a relationship who's a a spendthrift Mm -hmm. who believes that money is for enjoying life, for instance. And then you can have the other person who's a saver. We don't feel equally about money. And that's something in a relationship that can really torpedo all of the wonderful things that you guys have going on between you. It's the one thing that, you know, off the bat, and you'll learn it early, or early on, once you have to start paying bills together or, you know, uh, deciding who pays what or taking, you know, different roles as far as taking care of bills and what, you'll realize, like, there are red flags that go up. It's like, all right, damn, every, every weekend he goes mm-hmm. out and, you know, he goes to the club or he goes to fight parties and he's buying, you know, beer. He's buying alcohol. He's buying this, he's buying that. You know, Saturday morning he gets up, he goes shopping, he's buying thousand dollar jeans or he's buying this or, or the same thing mm-hmm. with her. You know, she can be doing the same thing. She's spending, you're the saver. You're spending, she's the saver. We don't agree mm-hmm. on how we deal with money and it can be a real a real problem. That's something that you have to get on the same page about before you walk down that aisle.
0: Absolutely. And that was number three. Here's number four. This is a very important one. Um, are we on the same page regarding faith? Mm-hmm. Or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't necessarily think about faith in our relationship early on, which I wish we did. Uh, meaning we didn't have the discussions of, of formal discussions of faith. No. Uh, I wish we, we would have. But we, 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 I mean, we're similar anyway. But I wish we would have because I think faith would have been stronger in our relationship from the beginning.
1: Um, that sounds right. But... I don't think conversations would have done it I think for so. us. No, I no, think because so. we we weren't led by anybody. We didn't go to church every week. It's not as no. Though. I didn't go to church every week. We didn't go to church every week. I went on
0: Easter. Uh,
1: similar here, same.
0: And my grandmother made me go Mother's Day.
1: Yeah, like we we weren't.
0: And then I usually fell asleep I would play video games in the back. We <laughs> I go to the corner store and go buy candy with my cousin Jamal. We didn't have deep
1: roots in faith or spirituality. So we could have had a conversation about it. But what would the conversation have really meant? Would it have changed anything? Maybe it would have done. Maybe us, me
0: and you talking, maybe it would have.
1: I don't think talking would have done anything. I think that we would have needed some type of spiritual leader.
0: Because we don't need to go to church to be spiritual.
1: That's why I said, I didn't say go to church. I Mm -hmm. said, I feel like we would have needed some type of spiritual leader. Some people have that in the form of a parent. Mm. Neither one of our parents were particularly spiritual to say, "Hey, you know, there are certain things that you do and don't do based on the fact that you're a child of God, Correct. and this is what God expects of you." You know, we didn't or
0: even pray together every day as a family. Like we pray every morning, every morning before I go to work. If you don't know, I wake Gear up, I hold her hand
1: at four o'clock. If in the one morning, of the babies
0: in the room, we hold the baby's hands and we pray right. and we talk about, you know, Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for whatever it was, whatever it is. Uh, and then we ask for whatever we're asking for, or, or most of the time it's just saying thank you and but thank you for our health. And we just go through the, the laundry list of things that we're grateful we ask for.
1: for. Yeah, we're things that we're grateful grateful for, the things we ask for, health, safety, mm-hmm. that Rashawn comes back home mm-hmm. healthy and happy that evening, etc. You know, yeah, we, we do do that. I just don't think that we at, I mean, we were t- I was 20, 22 and 23 when we got married. I don't think at 22 and 23, I had enough conviction in my faith, enough knowledge or wisdom in faith for conversations that we drummed up between the two of us to have a lot of weight. I feel as though we would have needed some type of teacher, some type of leader, someone that whose words could be a beacon for us. Um, so that we could be ambitious towards, you know, like I want to get to that place. I want to be that person. I don't want to engage in certain things because I don't want to be a disappointment to God. Mm -hmm. We didn't have that. And that's why I feel as though it's so important. I mean, listen, we're talking a lot of ish right now. Do you remember when we got married, um, the person that was marrying us required that we had uh, spiritual counseling mm-hmm. before we walked down the aisle. Rashawn and I looked at each other like, man, listen, how are we going to get out of that? Do we have to have somebody sign some paper? What what do we have to do to not have to get up mm-hmm. on a Tuesday afternoon and go down and sit and talk to somebody for two hours about our love and our relationship and our goals and aspir- aspirations in a marriage relationship? like?" We wanted to do anything to get out of it. And we got out of it. Correct. We never went, we never sat and talked to a therapist or relationship therapist, anything that our pastor required us to do. We got, like, we were those people. And it, had we not gotten out of it, had we seen the value in it, had we not just gone however many times were required, had we followed it, followed it up? I believe that there's potential for us to be better human beings. Exactly. Being led by things other than what is worldly. Mm -hmm. And our marriage would have benefited from that. Had we followed through, because I don't know if we were even capable of following through, but had we been capable of following through, we would have stood to gain so much. And maybe we would have avoided a lot of the things that we went through. And it doesn't matter who your God is. Or if you even have a God, if you don't have a God, you have to think about who it is that you look to, even if it's within yourself, who or what you look to as your moral guide. What's your moral compass? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And I wish we had. And that's why that's one of the really important questions to ask yourself in the book, because I feel like had we done that, it could have changed a lot.
0: Absolutely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely changed a lot Mm -hmm. early on. All right. And so now the last question. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, the book is out right now. Go pick it up. It's exciting. It's amazing. It'll make you feel good. It'll make you cry a little bit. It'll make you a little sad. But the end of it, you will be happy. It'll help you in your relationship. Trust us. Yes. Uh, We we open up our heart ridiculously. I don't think uh, too many people would be this open. Um, But uh, if we can help, and hopefully we can, uh, I just think you should pick it up. And um, when you get it, read it. Please leave us DMs. Uh, email us. Yes. Uh, any way that you possibly can, we would love to know your feedback. Yes.
1: We're gonna
0: be coming to your city. Uh, so before I read this last one and get up out of here, because this is book release, so we got things to do today. <laughs> now we got a lot of interviews to do. But I would say this: um, we're gonna be in so many different places. We're gonna be in LA this weekend. Uh, the LA Book Festival. So if you're in LA, you're in the surrounding areas, please come on down. We would love to meet it's you. It's at um, University you. of
1: Southern California. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: We'd love to talk to you. We're going to be at uh, Bookends uh, tomorrow. Yes. Uh, bookends, New Jersey.
1: No, Bookends in um, Ridgewood, New Jersey. Ridgewood, New Jersey. So if, you're, if you're in from New Jersey or in the New Jersey area, come to Bookends in Ridgewood and you will get to meet us. We'll sign an autographed copy for you and maybe we could chat, take a picture.
0: Please. And whatnot.
1: Yeah. Looking forward to these events where we get to touch you guys.
0: Yep. So the last question.
1: Not the last question. Last question we're going to cover. Yes. I don't know which
0: one he's going to pick, but... Do I have the capacity to forgive, extend grace, and grow beyond my disappointments and frustration?
1: Ask yourself that question. (sighs) Do you have the ability to forgive, show grace, and...
0: And grow beyond my disappointments and frustrations.
1: And grow beyond your disappointments... And frustrations.
0: Hmm. When we first got married, I would say no. You no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I necessarily I was on it. Like when you talk about forgiveness, I was like, God forgives, I don't. That was my mentality when it came to most things. Extend like, grace. I didn't even know who grace was. I didn't know who that bitch
1: was. <laughs> she lived down the block. No, she had three like, kids. I don't know
0: that bitch. <laughs> and grow beyond my disappointments and frustrations um, that I can. One thing I would say about me, if you don't know me, or you, maybe you should from listening to the breakfast club or listening to the podcast, uh, frustrations and people saying I can't fuel me. Um, which is a bad trait in my opinion, when it comes to a lot of it, people give me a praise, doesn't fuel me as somebody saying you can't, you saying you can't Really pushes me to be like, no, I'm gonna show you I fucking can. That's just who I am as can a Can I interject?
1: Yes, ma'am. Um back when Rashawn used to read a lot of the comments, now he reads like, you know, just a few after he posts a picture. But let's say he got six hundred comments. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, go through his comments and whatnot. He would come back and make mention of the one negative one mm-hmm. or the two negative ones. And I might say to him, you had 598 positive comments. Why are you even paying attention to two negative ones? And he'd be like, you know what? I don't know. It's just what I do.
0: Yeah. But those negative comments fueled me to be, I think, better and fueled me to work harder. Um, some people are down on themselves when they get something negative. It really lights a, like lights a fire on my ass. Like It makes me want to prove to you and whoever else you're with, I can do it, no matter what it is. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know why I have that. Um, some people don't. Some people have a negative comments. They go and cry. Some people just feel like, man, I can't do it. Not me. I'm, I want to prove that I can. Um, and because of that, we were able to accomplish a lot of things that I, I don't I don't think we would have. Uh, I remember when I first wanted to start the podcast, people was like, podcast, why? Why would you do that? Nobody's going to listen. But we did the podcast. Um, car show. Car shows. Car shows don't make money. We did the car show, and I think we actually kind of brought car shows back to the forefront but people are starting to do them now. Um, when it came to, I don't know, even the book. Um, oh, Who's gonna read that book? Well, we're gonna do it, and we're gonna put it out there. And we're not gonna do it to make money. We're not gonna do it but to, for to help people. Right. Same thing with real estate. Oh, you're doing a seminar? Why would you do a seminar? Why are you doing real estate? Oh, you're doing it with a, somebody that's a, a convicted criminal. Yeah, he went to jail. He learned how to do real estate in jail, and that man has 2,000 units. Not only does he have 2,000 units, over 2,000 units, me and him went on tour teaching our own community how to do it. And we didn't charge an arm and a leg, but there was no extra charges. It was none of that. We did it because we wanted to help our community. People said we couldn't. We did that. Same thing with the Breakfast Club. Oh, you're going to do mornings? You're going to take over for the other previous morning show that's been on? Oh, they've been on for you for years. You you can never do it. Well, we're the, long- the longest lasting urban morning show. Like ever. And we're in the Radio Hall of Fame. So, and I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you when people say I can't, I like to do it. That's just who I am. Um, so with that being said, when we first got married, I didn't know what grace was. I didn't know what how to forgive. I didn't know that uh, apologizing wasn't a form of being weak. It was a sign of being strong and being a man. And I didn't even say being a man because you can apologize, but being real. Um, and I didn't realize that until later on in our relationship. I wish I have realized that earlier because I think it would have been an even better ride figuring that stuff out early. And that's why we
1: pose these questions for people that are thinking about getting into a long-term relationship. And for people like us who are in a relationship and have been for a long period of time, it gives you an opportunity to sit down and ask yourself those questions. Absolutely. Because it's never too late to change. It's never too late to become better and improve on yourself in your relationship. So that's yeah. why we said, you know, it can be used as an exercise for couples that are already married or, you know, decidedly together.
0: Absolutely. So, what about you?
1: But I'm gonna ask you a question re- relating to that. Sure. So, you said that, you know, you weren't really the type to forgive. So, do you think that if I um, behaved in the relationship the way that you did at times? Do you think that you would not have been able to forgive me? Extend grace, even though you didn't know what it was I'd, at the time. I don't
0: think I'd be able to forgive you. You
1: wouldn't have been able to forgive me? No. Really?
0: Mm-mm.
1: What would you have done? You would have broken up with me?
0: I don't know, but... You would
1: have stayed with me and just hated me along the way. Probably. That sounds more like what you would have done. But, but
0: you remember, anytime we ever got into an argument or a situation where you were wrong... What? Yeah, I, I don't yeah. really recall those times. Of course, you actually <laughs> <haven't. laughs> <laughs> we got to an argument. I was wrong. What? No, but whatever whatever it was, and <laughs> you know, I almost feel like I lived on you apologizing, right? So let's say let's say you did something wrong, right? Okay. And a lot of times we do this: you do something wrong, you apologize, and it's over. I do something wrong, I apologize, and it's over. But I remember being younger and making you like almost having to work your way back in. You know, like no, you have to rub my back, rub my back. You know what I mean? It felt like it was stupid, but I made you kind of like... Uh, jump through hoops? I wanted you to jump through hoops. Uh-huh. For my own ego.
1: Okay. So... Like, for I-
0: instance, let's say we got into an argument, mm-hmm. and I walked off on you.
1: Okay. that You know, I was trying to figure out what it was that you were talking about, because it's not really... Mm, how you just said it, right? It is.
0: It may, I, I made mean, you jump the mm, hoops. You, you no, 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 it, but it
1: wasn't through an apology. It's not because I did something wrong. Those situations, you were just being petty and immature and, <laughs> stop that, and trying to um, assert yourself and feel powerful in the relationship. Like, she loves me. I'm going to make her do some stuff. Correct. You know, but it wasn't by way of an apology. When I told you that... <sighs> I do not want to go through that story. We, we talked about it on a previous podcast probably a long time ago. We haven't ago. talked about it in
0: the book, though. That's no, we didn't
1: We didn't talk about a lot of those um, things that we talked about on the podcast in mm-hmm. the book. Um, and the reason is we didn't want podcast listeners to just be reconsuming... I heard that story. ...things that, story, yeah. that they've seen and heard on the podcast. This wasn't like the book version of the podcast. Of course, there are some things that are very important to us that we share on both, but the book is different than the podcast. Um, but yeah, on one podcast we talked about when we were in college, um, we went to Lynn Haven Mall in Virginia Beach and we went into a sneaker store. Rashawn tried on a pair of the new and Iversons mm-hmm. and he put them on. And Rashawn has always, for some strange reason, it's the weirdest thing, he's always been self-conscious about his feet. He always thought his feet were too big. And I would tell him like, do you know what a guy with big feet actually means? Like, girls see a guy with big feet and they're like, hmm, you know? But on top of that, he didn't have big feet. He's six foot, six foot one, and wears like a size nine and a half. What's um, oh, now you're proud of it. Yeah. That's it? what we call progression. <laughs> you have elevated. But when he put the Allen Iversons on, I said to him, I was like, mm, I don't like them. They make your feet look like little tiny space shuttles. When I tell you, He was livid. He was livid. He looked at me like I was Satan personified. As though I just told him that he was ugly and his wee wee was small and I was going to profess it to the world. He put the sneakers back in the box and bolted out of Foot Locker. And I'm like, what just happened? I didn't even know what happened. So I go after him and I'm like, Rashawn, 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 silent treatment. He's walking down the West Corridor, up the East Corridor, up the escalator, down the hall, down the escalator. till he made it out of the mall, okay? Walks out the mall. And the whole time I felt like I was behind him like, baby, baby, please, baby, baby, please, baby, please. What did I do? Had I offended you? How art thou offended you? I, I didn't understand. And he's like, word, my feet are big. Word, my feet are big. I, I. And I'm like, now we're walking through the parking lot. And then it got ridiculous when he, well, it has been ridiculous, but then it clicked for me that it was ridiculous when he started going in between cars. And I'm doing S's in and out of the pathways between the cars, okay? Camera guy's smiling because you can see this happening, right? You saw us earlier and all the petty that is this man, right? <laughs> so you're relating to what I'm saying, right? You're relating? Okay. And After about the second aisle of walking in this S pattern, I said, you know what? I was a damn jackass like 20 minutes ago when, you know, we had come down the escalator. I'm an infinite jackass for being out here in this parking lot and letting this man do this. Now, mind you, there was nothing for me to apologize for. I had just understood what you were upset about. So my word, word, my feet are small. And I was like, you know what? Nah, and on top of it, I drove. So I'm like, all right, who's about to be following who? So I stopped. I was like, listen, you're about to have a warning. I'm gonna stop following you, and I'm not gonna wait for you. I'm going home. So either you get right and come back inside this mall with me, and we can deal with this when we get home, or you can just wander off. Actually,
0: that was that time. No, no, no. First time we, looking no, no,
1: you had crossed the street, and you were into the neighborhood the residential neighborhood next to the Lynn Haven Mall parking lot, okay? And that's where I decided that it was ridiculous. So then I walked back to the mall, I got in my car, I sat there for about 30 minutes just to see if you were gonna come to your senses and you didn't. And I bounced. So that was one of about maybe five times that he had done it. And if you're a podcast listener and you've you know been rocking with us for a long time, you know the last time that he did it And how that ended, which was very, very badly. (laughs) It was very badly. And it was, you know, it was one of those days I'll never forget in our relationship because a lot of things, uh, wrapped up in my mind for me. It was on that day, not the Lynn Haven Mall day, but on the day that I'm referring to that we talked about in a previous podcast that I realized that a man or a person for that matter, but a man will only do what you allow him to do. And I allowed Rashawn How does this get to me? Just... I allowed Rashawn to walk that day as I allowed him to walk. That's what we would call it. As I allowed him to walk on me several times before that day. And it was the next time that was the last time. So, you know, that's something else that we talk about in the book. Just, you know, teaching people how to treat you. As you all know, you've all heard that um, terminology before, but it's true. You teach people how to treat you. You let them know what is okay with you as opposed to what is not okay with you. Like, where do your boundaries lie? Where is your line in the sand? Because once you cross that, that person should know that they're in the danger zone and it should make them have trepidation about even approaching that line to begin with.
0: Absolutely, well, that is five out of the 25 questions. If you want to... Uh, Was that
1: five? Yep. Okay.
0: Definitely uh, check out the rest of the book. Uh, and like I said, it's it's. I, I definitely think you will definitely love the book. So I want to shout out a couple of people. First, I want to shout out our book company, Abrams, uh, who um, rode with us. And as soon as they heard the idea, they were all the way in from the beginning. We didn't yeah. have to pitch them anything. We didn't have to go. As soon as they heard the idea, they were in. So thank you to... Uh, Samantha, mm-hmm. Tess, mm-hmm. Uh, I want to thank, uh, who else is there? The whole book company, the, from marketing to uh, strategy. I mean, thank you so much. Um, Mercedes, thank you. Mercedes is, has been on this like crazy. Um, also, uh, Karen. Uh, Karen was the one that uh, that said that we should do a book. Yes. So shout to Karen. Karen, we appreciate you. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I want to thank the whole iHeart family. I heart you stood behind us with this book when I said I wanted to do it. You said whatever I needed, if I needed time off, if I needed whatever it was, you were there. So thank you. I want to shout to um, Puff. Puff wrote a reflection in the book. Thank you, Diddy. Uh, 50, of course, Curtis Jackson, my brother. Thank you so much. Charlemagne, the guard. Thank you so much. Uh, Kirk Franklin and his lovely wife, Tammy. Thank you. My brother, DJ Clue. Thank you so much. Uh, this book is, is means a lot to us. We put a lot into it. Uh, it wasn't, it was one of those things that we, really took our time and were able to share some great experiences and some great moments. I want to thank you. Thank you so much for being my rock, for being my rib, for being my right arm, for just being there and making sure that I was always good, no matter what went on. Um, And the book is out today. Pick it up and we can't wait to see you guys soon. All right? So, uh it's time to get up out of here. No, we have to do an email of the week. No, we got interviews. We gotta go.
1: No, no, we have to do an email of the look, week. Look, look, look here. Do we, again. do we have a couple minutes? No. How many minutes do we have? we, no, we only no have time. five minutes? No,
0: we have no time. That's what I'm saying. Goodbye. We have to wrap it up. We really
1: only have five minutes. Yes,
0: we'll do it much Well, I know Eric wouldn't
1: lie to me. Next week, maybe um, I can't even say what we're gonna do next week because we're gonna have so many experiences over the next week that we're probably gonna want to come back and talk about. But maybe the week after we'll do an episode with all emails. Right. Oh, I have an idea haven't told him about it, um, so I'm going to do you. I'm just going to throw some stuff out sure. there, and you can tell me what you think about it um, after I'm done. Um, so we always encourage you guys to write us emails, and you know sometimes we go over your emails on the podcast. I have an idea. Why don't we do something where they can send a voice note to the email or send a video to the email? So if you don't mind you know, sharing your face with all of our viewers, et cetera, you can record a video where you ask your question. You tell us your story, you ask your question, we will play it, and then we will answer your question on the podcast. You can do the same thing with a voice note. So if you want to express anonymity and you don't want people to know what you look like but don't mind for them to hear what you sound like, send us a voice note and we will play it and answer your question that way. You can send it to the... T-H-E-E. Don't forget the second E because a lot of people send it to the. Send it to the Casey Crew at gmail.com.
0: All right. Well, we'll see you guys later. I'm DJ Envy. And
1: I am Gia Casey. And
0: we are the Casey Crew.
1: Doodles.